Well, we are in a series on prayer, the great adventure of prayer. And uh, today we're going to talk about one of the more commonly asked questions, or at least one of the things most every one of us have, have thought at some point in our Christian walk, and that is, why hasn't God answered my prayer? Why hasn't he answered my prayer? Jesus talked a lot about prayer. And uh, in his day, uh, as a whole, the people had kind of wandered away from God. As a whole, uh, there were still some that had not. But as a whole, people had lost faith. People were not praying. And so Jesus teaches and he imparts faith. And he's telling people about how to pray and and, pray. explaining to people what God would do for them when they would pray. You'll remember some of the things he said, if I can remind you. He said, if two or three of you agree about anything you ask for, it will be done. He also said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe in that you've received it and it will be yours. Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In another place, he said, my father will give whatever you ask for in my name. I mean, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? It almost sounds like Jesus is giving us this blank check, you know? How cool is that? You know, a fat bank account and a thin body. No problems. I like it. But... As we'll look at here in a moment, that maybe there's more to, to it than, than that. Maybe it's not quite that simple, quite that easy. But let's just think for a moment of the goodness and the greatness and the power of God and the fact that He has said these things to us. You'll remember on week one of this series, I told you about this powerful uh, encounter Tisa and I had by a simple request. We just, with this mustard seed of faith, prayed that this tree would be removed and God like caught it on fire and it burned down. You remember that? And after the service, there was a fireman who came up to me and, uh, and he said, uh, hey, we have a tree on our property. Uh, would you and your wife mind coming over? And I said, sure, there'll be a small fee, but I'll, I'll, I'll be there. No, actually, I, I thought to myself, well, why don't you just burn it down and call it a controlled fire, you know? Get your big holes out. The truth is that God doesn't always answer prayers that we pray, right? In the way that we think he should answer them. Or I don't like the answer. I mean, God always answers because a valid answer is yes, no, or wait, right? And I only like one of those. But all of those are valid answers. Now, if you've prayed a lot, if you're a person of faith, chances are at some point, You asked God to do something that you knew that God could do. And you thought he should do, but he didn't do. I mean, if you've prayed any amount of time, that has probably happened to you. And if you're like a lot of people, that may have rattled your faith and wondering, man, I asked him and I asked him in light of the Bible and in light of some verses and I asked him in Jesus' name and then I read some of the scriptures and the stories where people prayed, you know, like Joshua, he prayed that the sun wouldn't shine and it didn't shine for a whole day. Or like Daniel in the lion's den and, and all of a sudden the lions went on a fast and they didn't, they didn't eat him. And Jonah, he's thrown into the ocean, kind of swallowed up by a whale and then vomited on shore. And 
I see this stuff and I pray these simple prayers and then God doesn't answer. Why? Have you ever asked that? Why? Why, God? I remember after I became a Christian, God was answering so many of my prayers and it was such simple childlike faith and I was seeing miracles happening and amazing things and, and, and this was one of those cases it didn't quite work out like I thought it should. I remember uh, it kind of clocked me. It caught me off guard. It rattled me. I was a college student. I had become good friends with Bill Fowler, who was the associate pastor of the church, Tyler Christian Fellowship in Texas. He and his wife, Joanne, were running late for church. I was probably around 22 years old, and they said, hey, would you mind taking our two kids to church for us? And I said, yes. And then I remembered, oh, no, I have no idea what to do with kids. You know, I didn't know what binkies and sippy cups and, you know, all of that were. And so I started freaking out and I started praying, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. You know, one's two, Benjamin and Priscilla was five. And I, I go by, I pick them up. And the two-year-old, I tell him to get in the back seat and buckle himself up. And he didn't know how. And so his little sister went and did it for him. She's five and figured that out. And, uh, you know, I heard people really like their kids. And so I didn't want to... I didn't want to lose one of them. And on the way to church, I'm praying, I'm praying. It's only 10 minutes away, but I'm praying and that nothing would go wrong. Nothing would go wrong. And, and halfway to church, about five minutes into my drive, my car begins to sputter. And I look at the gas tank. It's all the way on E. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to put gas in the car. We run out of gas on the side of the road. Cars are zipping by. Folks, this is before cell phones. I know it's hard for some of you to even fathom a life without a cell phone. But you're like, hoes, there's nothing you can do at that point. And I'm like, okay, kids, we're going to have to get out of the car and walk to church. And so we get out of the car. I'm kind of trembling because I'm freaking out. We're late for church already. And I'm trying to get Benjamin out of his seat. And I get him out and I'm in a hurry and I'm freaking out. And I accidentally caught his hand in the door. Yeah, bad. I'm thinking, great, now the kid's going to have a hook the rest of his life and get him out of the car and we're walking to church and they're all disheveled now. They had these nice little dress and and tie and little suit on for a little two-year-old and they're all mangled and he's looking at me crying and he's hating me. We And I'm thinking, this is horrible, my worst nightmare. We get to church Bill and Joanne come running up to me. They're not even in the service. They're just waiting in the lobby for me. And I come walking up with their two kids. And they're, you know, I thought, man, I'm, I'm excommunicated for sure. You know, this is it. He's going to punch me out. But they were really understanding. They were just so happy to have their kids back alive. And, and they had never asked me ever, ever again to watch their kids. Why didn't God answer my prayer? I mean, I prayed. I'm doing something nice for somebody. I'm going to church to worship the Lord. You know, God, why didn't you answer that? The reality is many of us in this room have issues far bigger, far bigger than just that. Running out of gas, walking to church, disappointing someone, you know, mangling a little kid's hand. No, he's fine. He's fine. But really, some of us have prayed and prayed for someone to be healed, and they haven't been. Or you knew God could do it. God should do it, and he didn't do it. 
Or maybe you've been praying for someone to conceive and they're still not able to have kids. Or maybe you prayed for your parents not to get a divorce and you prayed, please, God, please, God, don't let them get a divorce. And they ended up getting a divorce and it was horrible and ugly and your life has been complicated ever since. Or maybe for some, you've been praying for someone that you know and you love and you care about to to come to faith in Christ and know him and they just seem to go further and further and further away from God. You say, man, I thought the Bible said God wants everyone to get saved and to know him. What do you do in those situations? It's real easy, isn't it, that when you become disappointed over praying prayers that you haven't seen answered, just quit praying big prayers and start praying safe prayers because you're always looking in the rear view mirror of disappointment and saying, I don't want that to happen again. See, what I want to do today is bring uh, a couple biblical reasons as to why maybe, possibly, some of your prayers had not been answered. We're going to look at four different possible reasons as to why God may not have answered some of your prayers. And I say may because I'm not God, okay? I'm going to show you some things in the Scripture, but I don't know exactly why every each individual person's prayer is either given a yes, a no, or a wait. All right, here's the first reason. Maybe I have a broken relationship. You think, well, what in the world does relationships have to do with God answering prayer? Well, let me show you a couple of verses, one that speaks very uh, directly, another one that speaks indirectly towards this. See, our relationship with one another affects our relationship with God. Our horizontal relationships affect our vertical relationship with God. Look with me in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in in prayer, right? In prayer, believe you have received it and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, in other words, if you have a damaged relationship, you should forgive that person so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, wait a minute. Jesus is talking about prayer. He's talking about how to get our prayers answered by praying in faith. And then all of a sudden, he just, boom, he changes on us. And he starts talking about our relationships with one another. And he says, it matters how we treat relationships. You can also read about it in Matthew 5. Jesus said, if you go, if you're going to go to the altar and offer your gift, right? In other words, you're praying, you're worshiping, and you remember, hey, wait a minute, there's this person in my life that I, do, that I hate. There's this person in my life that, that, that I have anger, unresolved anger towards. And Jesus said, you leave your gift at the altar and first go and reconcile that relationship. Make it right, then come back and give your gift at the altar. Why? Because our horizontal relationships affect our vertical relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you're frustrated or upset with someone that your prayers are blocked automatically. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what it means. But what it does mean is at some point, broken, dislodged, unresolved, harboring unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people, at some point, it matters. And it affects your relationship with God. When I was a kid... Mom and dad uh, wouldn't take us out to dinner very often because we had five kids in our family. 
And uh, every now and then, about twice a year, we'd get to go out to dinner. So we'd load up the station wagon. All five of us would be in the back seat. Mom and dad would be in the front. And, and we were going out on one of these special occasions uh, to dinner to a, a Chinese restaurant called the Contiki. And so I'm, I'm excited. We're all in the back seat. And we start fighting like we normally would. And we start punching at each other. And you're in my space and all of that. And start yelling and screaming. And dad kept going, be quiet. Get along. Be nice to each other. You know, and we wouldn't. And it just escalated and escalated. And finally, he reaches back, you know, and he's trying to grab just some piece of flesh back there, anything at all. And he warned us and warned us, and we, we wouldn't stop, except for me, because I really wanted to go to the Contiki. So I just was being really good. It was like the only time in my life. And, and Dad turns the car around, goes back to the house, calls a babysitter. She comes over, watches the other four siblings, and they take me out to go eat. Isn't that nice? It's like the one time in my life with mom and dad for being a good boy. But you see, the reality is, is that when the kids aren't loving one another, dad's not always happy. And I think to some degree, that's true with God. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to forgive each other. Now, let me give you a real direct example. I, I don't know if you've ever met this type of a person, you know, the kind of guy that is super spiritual, kind of at church, but at home he's kind of a jerk. You know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I've got the whole book of Revelation memorized. And then he goes home and he turns out to actually be the beast, you know. <laughs> Here's what the Scripture says about that kind of behavior. Scripture says this in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with what? With respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. What's one of the reasons? The Bible says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Well, maybe it has to do with a broken relationship. Second possible reason is this. Maybe I have an impure motive. Motives matter to God. The motives of our heart, what's behind the prayer request, matters to God. James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Can anybody say mega millions? You know, anybody praying for the lottery, you know, that you win, it's up to 400 million. You know, God, if I win the lottery, if you just make my number come true, I'm going to tithe 10% and give it back to the church. I'm going to bless you, God. It's all going to work out. And someone right next to you is praying the same thing, but they're going to give 12%. You know, and someone else is praying in in another place and they're going to give 50%. You think, I have good motives. I'm going to bless people with it. God's saying, no, maybe you're praying with wrong motives. The Pharisees did this all of the time, didn't they? They would stand out on the street corners and they would pray these fancy prayers loud so that other people could hear it. And there was something behind the motives of those prayers. It wasn't wrong to pray publicly. It was the motives behind their prayer. I'll be honest, looking back, On my life, I can see a lot of prayers I prayed with not so great motives. 
I remember in college, you know, after I had become a Christian, all the Christian guys were praying, you know, for the cutest girl to go out with them, you know? And, and then when she wouldn't, because she thought they were all dorks, then th- we would pray for the hottest non-Christian woman to go out with us. And then just that she would become a Christian. Maybe you've prayed some prayers with wrong motives before. Maybe you have too. I can't judge your motives. Only God can do that. Proverbs 16.2 says, All of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And so we've got to bring our heart before God and say, Lord, purify me. If I've got some motives that are impure and unclean and selfish and self-centered, Lord, you've got to convict me of that so that I can pray according to your will. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Maybe because of a broken relationship. Maybe because of impure motives. The third thing is this. Maybe I don't believe God will actually do it. Now, I want to be really careful dealing with that because I know some of you have actually been hurt by well-intended but ignorant Christians who have come and laid a guilt trip on you that you didn't have enough faith. And somebody got ill and sick and they died. And that brings a lot of hurt. And so that's not where I'm going with this at all. Because God says even if we have, have the faith of a mustard seed and pray it. See, it's not the size of your faith. It's the size of your God. God's not looking for this drummed up name it and claim it kind of faith. He's looking for authentic faith that believes in the God who can move mountains. Mark chapter 9, though, tells us something really important. There's this dad. He had a son. The son was possessed by an evil spirit. And anyone with a, a parent who's a parent who has a, a kid with any type of a trauma, emotional burden, man, you know what kind of weight that has on you. And so this dad was like, I'll do anything. And so Jesus comes around and he encounters this guy. And, and he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, please do. And Jesus responded in verse 22 of Mark 9. And he said, Jesus seems kind of hurt or offended. And he says, what do you mean if you can? Everything is possible for for who? For God, for him who believes that God can do it. Over and over, Jesus said things like, it was done unto them according to their faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. If you have a little bit of faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed. In James, it talks about Don't be like a a wave tossed to and fro, but have faith that God will bring wisdom in your time of need and trial. See, the challenge is there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they really don't believe God is going to do anything at all through their prayers. It's like the pastor and the bar owner. The pastor was upset because there was this bar right down the road from his church, you know, selling demon liquor, and he's all upset. And so the pastor had these prayer meetings. He begins to pray that God would deal with that bar and and do something about it. One day, lightning hit the bar. It burned it to the ground. Sounds like my tree. So the bar owner sues the church. And when they were standing before the judge, the judge says, tell me what happened. And the bar owner said, well, uh, the pastor prayed. And because of his prayers, God struck us. And the pastor said, no, 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 no. That's not what happened at all. We didn't mean anything by that. We were just doing a harmless prayer meeting and lightning just struck and it's not our fault. And the bar owner said, yes, it is. The judge looked at him and he said, I just can't believe what I'm hearing. I mean, here's a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. (laughs) 
something wrong with that picture. How often do we have people who call themselves Christians, they don't believe in the power of prayer. They just think they're saying some stuff. They're going to hold a little prayer meeting. The reason I know they don't is because you can hear it sometimes in their lingo. Well, we've done everything, you know, we know to do. I guess we'll just have to bring it to prayer now. Like that's the last resort. I mean, it ought to be our first response, right? And God wants us to believe him and trust him for the answers that he has for us. Okay, so when we look at our prayer life, we can ask, Lord, how are my relationships? We can look at that as, as a possibility. We can, also, we can also look at our heart and bring our heart to God and say, Lord, I can't see what's in here, but you can. We can also, we can also just bring that simple mustard seed of faith, but genuine, sincere, and authentic faith to God. And here's a fourth reason. Maybe, maybe God had something else in mind. Maybe God had something different that he wanted to do. Maybe that's why that prayer was not answered the way you thought it should be. I hope you know that God's will matters more than my will or your will. Even though we think we know what's best, even though we know that God can do something, we feel like he should do something, sometimes he doesn't do it the way we think he ought to. 1 John 5 verse 14 says this, This is the confidence we have. There's a confidence in prayer. Those of you who are Christians, when you pray, you pray with confidence when you approach God because it says that we have confidence if we ask anything according to His will. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we ask for of him. I love this, that there's a confidence that as we know the will of God, how do you know the will of God? You study scripture. You spend time with him. You listen to the voice of his spirit, the whisper of his spirit in your life, and and you, you learn his will over time. And as we pray according to his will, he hears us. I love that. God listens to you. He hears you. We have confidence that he will do the things that he says he will do. He loves us. And this is huge. In the New Testament, if anybody had the, you know, earned right to have their prayers answered, that would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote much of the New Testament. He suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. And yet, you'll remember that... uh, He said, hey, I have this thorn in my side. And I went and I prayed about it over and over and over again. We're not exactly sure what that thorn was. It could have been a sickness. It might have been some sort of a trauma. It could have been a persecution. Different people have different thoughts on it. But it was certainly something that he needed out of his life. He prayed for it. He knew God could do it. He had seen God do miracles before. He pleaded with the Lord. And yet God didn't do it. Paul knew he could. Paul felt he should, and God said, not going to do it. You see, there was something about it where, where God said, Paul, I want you to understand that in your weakness, I'll be strong. That my grace is sufficient for you. And something about that answer, that God was going to do something different, 
would make Paul the man that he was. That in his brokenness and in his suffering and in that unanswered prayer that God would work powerfully through his life into the life of other people who were also hurting. How might God want to use your life in a way unexpected, in a way that you, you, you didn't think and use problems and use suffering and use challenges. You see, even our suffering can come and be something that God uses. The biggest example from our own life, I've told you this before, when Tisa was pregnant with our third son, John Michael, we prayed over him, prayed over him, just like we did for our other boys. And in, uh, late in the pregnancy, um, he died in her womb. And so she had to deliver him. We buried him there in Prescott, Arizona. And uh, we prayed, we exercised faith for this healthy boy. And we were disappointed. We were angry. But God chose to take him home. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't our lack of faith. It wasn't a broken relationship. It wasn't a selfish motive. It was God calling John home to a better place. Some of you have lost loved ones. You've maybe experienced stillborn. You've lost a spouse to cancer or some other disease. And you prayed hard for them to be healed. And you've carried maybe the guilt or the anger too long now. You keep wondering if maybe you could have done something different. Maybe you could have had more faith. Maybe you could have done something in the relationship. And God's just saying, let Go of your guilt today. Let go of your anger because it's not your fault. And God's saying, I'm, I didn't punish you. I'm not punishing you. I love you. And I chose to do something different that one day you'll understand. But in the meantime, just trust me. Trust me. And isn't that a lot of what it's about when our prayers aren't answered in our timing when our prayers are answered differently than we would have done, when, when things go south on us and we just go, why, God? That there's this huge, huge question of trust at that point. Is God good? And the answer is yes. First Peter 4, 9 says, So if you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. Trust yourself to the God who made you, for he will never fail you. God is good no matter what. Sure, it hurts. Yes, you get disappointed. It's okay to be angry for a while. But please know that God is good and he loves you. And he allows certain things to happen in our life because he's using those circumstances and turning things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But note, God will not force a person to love him. He's not a dictator. He will not make a person that you're praying for turn to him automatically because he will not override their will. Yes, he'll put things in their life and he'll do things uh, through other people and he will make it as easy as possible for them to engage their will to know him and love him. But you see, God gave us this free will and so 
Suffering happens. Even evil happens. Yet God will one day make things right and will judge the world and evildoers. Prayer reminds me that I'm not in control, but it keeps me close to the one who is. Prayer is not so much about what I want. God, do this, do that. God, do it in my timetable. God, I want, I want, I want. It's No, it's more about, God, I want to pray according to your will. Teach me your will. Because in that I can pray confidently. That the God of the universe invites you and me to have a relationship with him where he actually listens to us. And he cares for us. And he answers prayer. Even though often I don't understand how he answers, he answers. When you're praying, I want to... Just encourage you, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew teenagers. They stood before the evil king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, bow down and worship my God. Renounce your God or else I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And remember what they said? They said, if we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is, the, is able to save us from it. God can. God will. But even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods. See, I believe God can do it. I believe that all things are possible with God. And I believe God will. I believe that he's a good God who listens to our desires. And when I pray according to his will, I can pray confidently. But even when he doesn't answer the way I think he should, he's still good. And I will still trust him. He loves you. And his wisdom and his justice will prevail. And even when we have to wait on his answers to come, it's that opportunity to walk through that season where our trust and our confidence in God get built, our roots grow down deep, and we emerge out of that knowing even better the one who's worthy to entrust our life to. Would you bow your head with me as we pray? Father, I pray that you would bolster our faith today as a church. God, that you would grow us, strengthen our trust. Just as we're in this time of prayer right now, I just want to ask an honest question of you. I want to just see the hands of those who you've prayed for something and it did not turn out the way you think that it ought to. Could you just lift your hands? Hands all over the room, all over. Now, I also want to ask if you'll just lift your hand. If you're praying for something right now big from God, And you don't know what the outcome will be yet, but you're praying. You're praying right now. I would hope to see hands all over the room too because as Christians, we should be praying all of the time for big things. God, I pray for the first group, Lord, those that have prayed and things didn't turn out the way they expected. Lord Jesus, I know that can bring disappointment and confusion. God, I pray, Lord, that you would you would bring an encouragement today, that you would pour in a hope and a healing. 
And God, that even though we might not understand your perspective on this side of heaven, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to wait until we get there where maybe it'll all make sense. Help us trust you in the meantime. God, I pray as well for those who have a significant challenge and a need that they're praying for right now. And Lord, I just want to join with them in in this prayer that they're praying and ask that you would move the mountain in their life and God, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than they can ask, think, or imagine. Lord, I pray, heal relationships. Purify our motives, God. I pray, God, that you would help us understand your will. And Lord, that we would trust you no matter what. And I'm guessing that there are probably several people, maybe a lot of people here this morning that you've prayed some things didn't happen. You got angry. Maybe you're still angry. You're still disappointed. And it's built a wedge between you and God. I mean, you're not totally out of it yet. You still come to church every now and then. And, but there's no vibrancy in your spiritual life. God wants to heal you. He wants to restore that. He says that if we'll seek him, we'll find him. And he brought you here for a purpose this morning, to speak into your life, help you let go of that guilt and let go of that anger and let go of that disappointment and begin to see that God wants to still do great and mighty things in your life as you call out on the name of his son, Jesus, born without sin, who became sin for us on the cross who died and rose again. When we call on him to save us, he will not disappoint us. He will save us and forgive us. And he listens to us. And if you're here this morning and you know that's you, and it's time to let go of some junk in your life, it's time to let go of the anger and the guilt and the disappointment and the confusion and just turn back to the Son of God and receive forgiveness and begin to see reconciliation happen in your relationship with him and see how that bleeds out into other people's lives where relationships begin to get reconciled and where your prayer life becomes vibrant again. I want to pray for you if that's you. Would you lift your hand if that was you just in this prayer time with all of our heads bowed? Thank you, sir. Good for you. Yes. Yep. I see your hands too. Yep. Good. Lord Jesus, you know each and every one of these precious people, God, each and every one. Lord, they're just saying, heal me today, God. Forgive me today. Lord, I I want to turn a corner today that I begin to trust you. I begin to see you work powerfully. I, I begin to believe again, God. Do that in me. We pray that for our friends today, God. Do that in them. Pour out the healing of the Holy Spirit, renewal of the mind, perspective of the past, hope for the future. We thank you, God, that you're that kind of a father. You love us. You never fail us. You never give up on us. You're constantly calling us back to yourself. We celebrate you today, Jesus, and what you're doing in our lives. 
we pray these things in Jesus' name.